The letter to the Christians at Rome was written by the Apostle Paul during the reign of Nero, the most cruel and wicked persecutor of the Church of God, as well as the most depraved in personal character that ever sat upon the throne of the Roman Empire. His residence was in Rome where these Christians dwelt. They were the special objects of Nero's hatred. He accused them of setting fire to the city as an excuse for gratifying his own ferocious spirit. Renan says, Never before had such refinements of cruelty been witnessed. The usual punishment of such unfortunates was to be thrown to wild beasts or to be burned in the amphitheater with the addition of cruel scourging. Poor, timid maidens, with modest gestures veiling their nudity, were tossed by a bull and torn in pieces on the pebbles of the arena. They were put to death, not for the public good, but to gratify the cruelty of one man. These Christians at Rome, enduring these things, were liable to be excited to take vengeance in their own hands and rise up and slay or burn out their cruel persecutors. But Paul, writing to them, admonishes them, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation, for rulers are not a terror to good works but to the evil. Wilt thou not then be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For this cause pay ye tribute also. For they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render to all therefore their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. This is the most complete statement of the Christian's relation to the civil government found in the New Testament, excepting as we do that the higher powers here refer to the civil government. Many hold that this passage refers to church authorities, but this application involves difficulties to my mind inexplicable. So I believe that the higher powers refer to civil government. The Holy Spirit then warns these Christians that they must not avenge themselves, they must suffer wrong, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Christians are forbidden to take vengeance. God will avenge their wrongs. The higher powers are immediately introduced as God's agency through which he will take vengeance and execute wrath. We found that he so used the wicked nations under the Old Testament dispensation. This higher power is a revenger to execute wrath on him that doeth evil. The Christian has been clearly forbidden to take vengeance or execute wrath 
but he is to live peaceably with all men to do good for evil. Then a Christian cannot be an officer or executor of this higher power. Human governments we found in the Old Testament as Babylon, Assyria, and others were ordained of God and used to punish other wicked nations. Kings and rulers were used as, quote, my servants, unquote, to punish wicked people. But God maketh the wrath of man to praise him. The remainder of wrath will he restrain. Psalm 76, verse 10. God uses the wrath of man to promote his own praise or the greatest good of his people. Wrath that would go beyond this God will restrain. With these thoughts, the higher power is ordained of God as all human government is to punish those who refuse to obey God. The civil ruler is a minister of wrath whom God uses to punish wickedness and rebellion. The government which he here calls his ordinance is the Roman, in direct line of descent from that of Babylon through that of Medo-Persia and of Greece. He whom he calls the minister of God is the vile, persecuting Nero with his subordinates. How can he be said to be a minister to thee for good? In the same sense that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. In the same sense that he makes the wrath of man to praise him, while the remainder of wrath, which would inflict more punishment than would redound to his praise, he restrains. So much of wrath as promotes the true good of God's children he permits to come upon them, all that would go beyond that, God restrains. In the same sense that Nebuchadnezzar was his servant, that Babylon was his battle-axe. Then all the persecutions that came upon the Christians even in the days of Nero were needed by the children of God to promote their true and eternal welfare. All the afflictions that were to come upon them were for their good. They are for their good in the courses they pursue, in the position in which they place themselves. In different courses they would not be needed for their good. One chief good was to wean them from love of the kingdoms of the world. How can this wicked ruler be a terror to evil works and not to good? Because if God permits only so much punishment to come upon his children as will promote their true good, all the evil that comes upon them is intended by God to restrain and deter them from sin and to encourage them to good. Besides, it is true that the essentials to all quiet, stable government are such as to make even evil men in authority prefer goodness, forbearance, quiet, and industry, the qualities inculcated by the Christian religion, to the turbulent, disorderly, and rebellious spirit, the concomitant of sin and godlessness. And it is only when there is animosity toward good men on account of fidelity to principle or to parties that are offensive and that are persecuted for their principles that even wicked and tyrannical rulers would not encourage and reward the orderly, quiet spirit in preference to the disorderly and wicked. And God overrules the most wicked government to the destruction of the wicked. All government, then, is a terror to evildoers and not to good. This is true of hell itself. God's Ordinances Hell, in our former essay we found, was an ordinance of God to punish wickedness. The devil, the ruler over hell, is God's minister to execute wrath and vengeance in the unseen spirit land. Ruled by the devil who seduces men to sin, 
It is overruled by God to punish sin and sinners and so to deter from sin and encourage to good. It is a terror to evildoers. Hell itself ministers good to the obedient servant of God. To seek to resist or overturn hell as the institution of God for punishing sinners and destroying sin would be to resist the ordinance of God and would bring swift damnation to the inhabitant of the spirit land that would dare such a thing. So too human government is God's ordinance to punish sinners. So long as sinners are in rebellion against God and His authority and refuse to be His servants, so long would it be resisting the ordinance of God to resist the human government and seek to overthrow or destroy it. It is God's ordinance for punishing sin and sinners, and as such it is right and good for the end for which God ordained it. Because hell is an ordinance of God is no reason that his true servants, the angels and spirits of just men made perfect, should seek to enter it, guide and direct its operations, and partake of its spirit and its rewards. No more is the fact that civil government is an ordinance of God a reason why his children on earth should enter into and carry forward the operations of civil government, drink into its spirit and partake of its rewards. It is not ordained for them but for the lawless and disobedient. God's Servants In the spirit land there are two institutions or ordinances of God, heaven and hell. They are equally ordained of God, one to foster and reward fidelity to God, the other to punish sin and rebellion against God, and in doing this to be a terror to evildoers and not to the good. They are ruled over by two different beings, both ministers of God, one his own Son who rules in heaven as to encourage and reward fidelity to God, the other, Satan, rules in hell so as to punish sin and rebellion against God, and in doing this to deter from evil works. These two institutions have their counterparts in this world. The Church of Jesus Christ embodying the true servants of God and so ruled as to promote fidelity in God's children by the Lord Jesus Christ. The other, human government, the embodied effort of man to rule the world without God, ruled over by the prince of this world, the devil. Its mission is to execute wrath and vengeance here on earth. Human government bears the same relation to hell that the Church bears to heaven. God always selects servants or ministers to do His work that, in character, are fitted for the work to be done. For example, Christ must needs die. God selected the money-loving, cold-hearted, calculating Judas Iscariot to betray Him because He was, in character, suited for the diabolical work. When the mother of our Lord was to be cared for, He chose the gentle, tender, loving John. God, without doing violence to his own character and the eternal harmony of his laws, could never have selected John to betray the Savior. He was unfitted for it. He could not choose even Peter. Peter, impulsive and rash, could rush forward and involve himself in difficulties that would lead him to deny his master, but there was nothing of the cold-blooded traitor in his character. So in the unseen state he selected Jesus to rule over heaven and receive the fullness of its joy in bestowing joy and happiness on others. God could not choose Christ to minister wrath in hell. 
Recognizing fully the righteousness and justice of the punishment of the rebellious in hell, it would yet have been inflicting the torments of hell upon Jesus to require him to stir up the fires of wrath and execute vengeance in hell on the wicked. God chose the devil, one fitted in character for this work, and so overrules that in inflicting wrath on others the devil as the chiefest sinner suffers the most excruciating horrors of hell. So in the institutions here on earth, in his church or kingdom, the best, truest, most faithful men are chosen to encourage and promote virtue and loyalty to God. And it is of his kingdom of loyal subjects that it is said, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked bear rule, the people mourn. Proverbs 29 and verse 2. This is spoken of God's people, those under his government, not of human governments. Abraham, Moses, David, Hezekiah, Samuel, Daniel, Peter, James, John, and Paul are samples of those chosen to rule in God's kingdom who always brought gladness to the heart of the people. The wicked who attained the rule among God's people brought sorrow. On the other hand, Nebuchadnezzar, Pharaoh, Darius, Nero, are the ministers of God to rule over the kingdoms of this world to execute wrath on the evildoer. Daniel said, The Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will, and setteth up over it the basest of men. So in the kingdoms of the world, God often chooses as his ministers to execute wrath the basest of men, those in character fitted to perform the work of vengeance to be done and to resist them as rulers of the kingdoms of earth would be to resist the ministers of God.